May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. So here we are in the third week of this sermon series that I've been doing on Adam Hamilton's book, The Walk, talking about spiritual disciplines. And again, just to recap, because I think it's helpful, in the first week we talked about the spiritual discipline of worship and prayer. And I mentioned that your dominant hand is the one in a fist, when you hold it like this, represents all of us in worship, everything that we do, everything that we say, and that your non-dominant hand was to represent you praying five times a day. Then last week I shared about study and the Bible. Again, all of us, your dominant hand clenched is all of us together studying and learning from the word. And again, your non-dominant hands to represent reading five verses of scripture a day as you pray five times. This week we're talking about service. And in the scripture from Romans, we clearly hear that while we all have different gifts, teaching, prophesy, whatever those may be, they're all to be used in service to worship of God. So while we talk about worship being kind of what we do here, what we do out there is worship as well, especially when we're using the gifts that we have been given. In Hamilton's book, he talks about a church ministry at Church of the Resurrection, a church ministry for furnishings. The ministry began to get a large number of requests for children's beds. They thought that kind of odd. That had never happened in all the time they'd been doing it. So they did a little research and found out that hundreds of children in Kansas City do not have their own beds. Believing that a good night's sleep was essential for children to do well in school, the facilitators of that ministry felt God's call on their lives and on this ministry to furnish beds for children to low-income families. They reached out, they offered pleas, and they went about obtaining box springs, mattresses, pillows, sheets, blankets for all of those children. As of when Hamilton wrote his book, there were 4,672 children who now sleep in their own beds because of that ministry. They were willing to say, here I am, Lord, use us. The third practice, again, as he shares in this book, again, is service. The words serve and servant and serving and service appear over 1,000 times in the Bible. Throughout Scripture, we continue to learn that we are to be servants of God. Hear these words from Joshua. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's charge to the people of Israel before he died was to serve the Lord. And service isn't just about helping people. As I mentioned before, it's about a worshipful act. By serving and helping other people, we are, in a sense, worshiping God. Because we know that God works primarily through people. The work we are to do in this world is to embody God's love and justice. We are called to help heal the world 
and help others. In Genesis 6, 6, God looks upon the world that God made and saw evil and how violent humans were to each other. Listen to how it reads in the message version of the Bible. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil from morning to night. God was sorry that he made the human race in the first place. It broke his heart. God seeing what was happening, what humans were doing to each other, what his children were doing to each other, broke God's heart. What do you think God thinks as he looks at the state of the world today? Do we continue to break God's heart? Do we see the pain, injustice, poverty, and brokenness that God sees? God is moved by compassion for God's people. The question is, are we? People today continue to believe that all God wants us to do is to go to church, to pray, to read our Bibles, and just refrain from evil. But no matter where you look in Scripture, God calls us to more. He calls us to serve each other in order to serve God. From Isaiah we hear, stop bringing worthless offerings. Your incense repulses me. Again in Isaiah we hear, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And then of course the one we all know from Micah. What does the Lord require but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To put it bluntly, it's impossible to be a follower of Jesus Christ without seeking justice and mercy for those who are marginalized, who are the most vulnerable, the most weak. Jesus devoted his time in ministry to all of those groups and all who were considered to be second class. Remember, Jesus said, if you do it for the least of these, you have done it to me. But he also said, if you haven't done it for them, you haven't done it for me. He wants us to see the Christ in each other and serve each other in that way. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, launched the revival of the church by linking personal holiness with social holiness. In other words, you cannot have one without the other. You cannot say you follow Jesus if you are not in mission and ministry in some way seeking justice and mercy for the least and the lost. Through personal and social holiness, there is a call to transform the society we live in. The early Methodists lived that personal and social holiness. They started schools. They built hospitals. They had health clinics. They launched services for the homeless, for the hungry, and even for those who didn't have any job. All of those and so many were done as a way to share the presence of Christ with the people, no matter who they were. It doesn't matter whether it's a large church, a medium-sized, or even a small one. Churches today are seeking new ways to help heal their communities and help them transform into God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. To be fair, Methodists are not the only ones doing these kinds of things in the name of Christ. But it is an essential part of the Methodist life and our spiritual DNA to do so. Several times in churches I've served, I've invited friends to come and share the missions that they have been a part of, whether it's here in this country, in the state, or around the world. From Africa to South Korea, from Boston to Sacramento, and everywhere in between, 
People continue to work to serve God by serving other people. As citizens, we have a responsibility to speak up for those who are most vulnerable, who are marginalized, whether it's directly or through our ballot box. Dr. Martin Luther King, in his sermon, A Knock at Midnight, said this, The church must be reminded that it is not the master or servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. Walking with Christ, following him means that we will be asking how we care for the marginalized, the vulnerable, the poor, the powerless. And all of those are what Jesus calls the least of these. I've said this before, but we sometimes need a regular reminder that the Bible cover to cover isn't about morals. It's the story of God and God's people, and it is truly a love story. Jesus was clear that this story between those covers came down to two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, body, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle Paul said much the same thing in 1 Corinthians 13. We often call it the love passage, and to be honest, I've had it read at so many weddings, I keep telling people it's not about marriage, it is about love. It's about everything to do with God and God's people. Hear the beginning of it again. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Again, love is not a feeling generally, but a way to live life and to be who God has called us to be. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. We will get it wrong. And that's why grace from God is so important. Even when we are at our worst, God provides grace to cover that and even more so that we might be reminded to live for him and serve him so we can serve others. Even though justice and mercy may be tough concepts to wrap our heads around, and even more difficult to see how we might be able to live them out in the world, we can still live out a life which focuses on being kind. It's not difficult to practice that every day, but we have to be intentional about it. Just like worship and prayer, and just like study, being kind is something we must practice. Do it on a regular basis in order to become a regular spiritual practice in our life. Each day we are called to offer ourselves to God to be instruments of healing and justice and mercy and love in the world. Yet we continue to question our calling to follow Christ. We've sung the hymn before, but listen to the words again. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. Can you see yourself in those words? Have you said those same things to God before? How often has God been calling you to do justice, to love kindness and walk humbly with him? Why aren't you? Or why are you? We often want an example of that kind of devotion to God. I would encourage you again to read the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, a young teenage girl who has an angel appear to her 
tells her she will carry a very special child, not by a man, but by the Spirit. The future of humanity hung on her response to that call. And her response? Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Is that our response? Is that how we respond daily to God? Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Or is it more like the skeptical Noah that you may have heard years ago in Bill Cosby's comedy routine when he said, right, who is this really? What would happen if that response of Mary's became our response to our prayers every day, to those five prayer times? How would our communities change if everyone in our church started each day on, the, on our knees saying, here I am, Lord, do with me whatever you wish? We have done that kind of praying before and said it together. You might not remember it in those words in particular, but we have said something similar. We've started our years occasionally with the Wesleyan Covenant service. And we say a prayer together. I want you to open up your hymnals to page 607. And we're going to say this together one more time. 607. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. To walk with God, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is to be a servant. Through Wesley's covenant prayer, we hear those words of service. And one of the primary ways that we can serve is to practice kindness towards other people. Part of our acceptance in doing those acts of kindness is in our willingness, and must be in our willingness, to be interrupted. Most often our chances to serve other people comes when we least expect it and are unplanned. There are interruptions in our day's routine. The question is, are we willing to be interrupted to serve God? Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? A man beaten and robbed and left to die in a ditch? Two deeply religious people came down that same road, saw him and crossed over to pass by on the other side. Jesus does not say why they didn't stop. We can come up with all kinds of reasons. Maybe they were scared that they could be beaten too. Or they were just too busy. We don't know. Surely they thought someone would stop for that man. And someone did. A Samaritan. He stopped. He helped. He poured oil on the wounds and bandaged them. He took him into town 
paid for a place for him to be healed, promising to come back, to pay the bill if there was more that was needed. We love God, but Jesus told this story to make clear we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is the willingness to be interrupted, to take a risk, to give up our comfort, to be late in order to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God. This is what love and kindness look like in this story. You may have seen a story on the news yesterday or the day before with all of the, I hope you have enough toilet paper, by the way, with all of what's going on, the hysteria, and more importantly, the fear of all of this. A young woman walking in the parking lot is shouted at. This couple was in their car, an older couple, didn't want to get out, was fearful of what might happen if they went into the store, had been in the parking lot waiting for the right person to come by for hours, hours. This woman came by, heard their voice, went over to them and was out of a slit this big, she said. This woman spoke to me and said they were fearful of catching anything and what might go wrong in the store. So here's $100 in our grocery list. Would you do that for me? And she did. She allowed herself to be interrupted to do an act of kindness when no one else heard their voice for hours. That's what love and kindness looks like in that story. John Wesley developed three simple rules for Methodist societies. First, do no harm. Second, do good. Third, stay in love with God. Wesley said that Methodists were to live their life of faith by doing good, by being in every kind merciful after their power as they have opportunity, doing good of every possible sort and as far as possible to all men. Maybe you've heard it a different way. Do all the good that you can by all the means that you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. So if we're serious about walking with Christ, we need to cultivate the daily practice of serving God by serving other people. And you're going to say, here he goes again. This is what Hamilton again is trying to get us to see, to look at our hands in different ways. He wants us to remember our non-dominant hand for worship and prayer, for reading scripture, and now your non-dominant hand is used to practice and pursue five acts of kindness a week. Five. They don't have to be big. They can be small, but you have to be willing to be interrupted to be able to do them. Your dominant hand then represents as the fist the strength of the worshiping body of Christ Second, the strength of studying the Bible together. And lastly, the importance of the body of Christ serving other people. How would your life be different if you were intentional in your pursuit of the practice of serving God by serving other people? How would our community be different if you and others were together practicing thousands of acts of intentional kindness every year? You can do this. You were created by God for this. Regardless of what your decision will be later this morning, 
we still have an opportunity to be the church in ways that maybe we hadn't thought of before. There are people hunkering down in their homes, locking themselves away, so fearful of what might come in front of that door that they're cutting off all ties with people. It's our opportunity as the church to reach out to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, ask them if they're okay, ask them if there's anything we can do for them, that we can get for them. Maybe you know some people who work during the week and now that their children are off, they have no one to watch them. Maybe that's an opportunity to provide kindness. You can do this. You were created for this. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. We were called to serve. When you say, here I am, Lord, use me. When you hear that call, answer. Let yourself be interrupted to share Christ to someone else. Amen. As we consider that, as we consider service, to our brothers and our sisters, we sing together in the faith. We sing number 2222, 22, 22, Brother, Sister, Let Me Serve You.